This is Chaplain Jake Snodgrass, and this is the Pro Deo Podcast, a podcast focused on military congregational renewal and missional community formation. In this podcast, this is just a quick class that we gave on what it looked like to do cosmetic revitalization. So bear with me. I was not running a marathon. I don't know why I was breathing so heavy, but do uh, give it a listen and love to hear back from you. Hey, what's up? This is Chaplain Jake Snodgrass, and today we are talking a little bit about the cosmetic revitalization. Um, Last time I talked what the difference was between cosmetic and structural revitalization, and we we will have a lot of discussion on both, but wanted to clarify and really talk today specifically about cosmetic revitalization and why is it important. And so there's a lot of different opinions, obviously, Um, you know, everything is. They have a lot of uh, folks who have, you know, a lot of experience and background in marketing and think that branding is really significant, important, and it is. So here's – I kind of have a little bit of a playbook. Whenever I show up at a chapel, I want to do a handful of different things. One, kind of just assess what um, the branding type of stuff is, meaning when I say branding, just what the logo is or what is being articulated and communicated. Um, I know that probably – Back in the day when Chapel Next had their branding that really took place, um, that really caught on with, with a lot of people, really resonated. The rooted and relevant and uh, maybe it's ca- no, captivating, uh, contemporary and casual um, really, really caught on. Um, but I want to communicate something a little different and articulate something a little with a little bit more um, mission focus in, in the sense of what we're trying to do. So I've always come in and we've oriented around Jesus mission community and sort of making the gospel clear. Um, be, and then we believe that mission and community are simultaneously happening at the same time. So you're, you're forging community and building disciples and then you're simultaneously on mission. And really you're making disciples and building community while you're on mission. It's a concurrent event. So we want to articulate that as a kind of a, our way forward. We use first Peter two, nine and talk through family of servant missionaries. And that's really one of the big things that we continue to hit to hash out a lot of the guys at Soma really were the ones who um, drove that principle home to me and then explaining First Peter 2.9, I really latched on latched onto that and then I've really tried to reproduce that wherever I've gone as well after having been coached there. Um, so that I, those two ideas are, are kind of first and foremost as identity pieces that we want to brand and bring about and kind of this, this who are we type of mentality and that goes in with like logos. And, and all that jazz. So I try to change all that um, pretty quickly and not necessarily a name change. Haven't done that so much. Um, Chapel Next was Chapel Next. I left it there. Um, I didn't feel like leaving it there. I didn't. Um, I wanted to do something different, but I just um, never felt like the window was, was right and I didn't have um, really the backing at the time. And then here when I got to Agape, good enough. So we just moved forward. No, no big reason to feel like uh, the name uh, the chapel services have really uh, could be significant. It could not, uh, but I am I'm, I have bigger fish to fry, so to speak, in that regard. So I've left both of those. When I planted at Fort Lewis, we called it actually Mission Two Nine, and Mission Two Nine was and ended up becoming part of the Summer Family of Churches. And so um, that has kind of been what um, name wise we've done. And just noting that uh, branding uh, always promotes, you know, recognition, um, right, wrong, or indifferent. People know who you are. They know what you stand for. They understand the concepts, what you 
represent. It's something that your people can see, and then they understand kind of the way ahead. It also is very welcoming in the sense of maybe if it's contextualized in the culture of this day, and meaning that it feels like home, that, that kind of all those kind of things that go along with it are really digging into the heart of what's going on. It's good to do a good community assessment, a good people assessment, and then really drive where uh, where you need to go. We've done the welcome home piece pretty significantly recently. Just in Korea, it's really hard. You don't feel like you're at home. There's You feel like really detached, and, and this kind of idea of like this is home. Um, you're the people of God. You're exiles. Um, and then we gather together, and, and we find our home and our rest in, in Jesus Christ. And so good good things to think and consider. Um, branding sets you apart. You know, it really it helps create that connection with people, and and, and those things. So when you're looking at a logo or you're looking at all the things, I just really uh, minimal. Uh, I'm a minimalist in that regard. I I don't like a lot of stuff attached to it. We've used a simple AH for Agape Humphreys. We had a little bit more of a different style when we first started, and then shifted once maybe bumped into some new tools and stuff like that. By the way of tools. Um, obviously, you know a majority probably if you're listening to a podcast, but I really like um, Word Swag. Um, it's pretty handy. There's a handful of others. Obviously, Adobe, we use Adobe quite a bit, quite a bit for a handful of other things, but Word Swag is easy. I can make everything in about a minute and I uh, can produce tons of material. I can rebrand the whole, I can do whole sermon series in like just a handful of bit. And that's really kind of where we branded around as campaigns, and campaigns are built around sermon series. And sermon series are really always, for me, built around a book of the Bible. So if we're, bre- we're preaching through a book of the Bible, then we're building a campaign plan specifically around that book of the Bible with logos, um, mission statements, uh, I mean, not mission statements, but um, clarifying statements of, uh, within the text that we're reproducing and re- making common. And, and those kind of things help push the congregation forward in the same direction in the sense that they're able to kind of wrap themselves around a common uh, word, so to speak, which is good. Um, we uh, we want to make sure that our, our kind of just, our, like I said, our core values, our motivation and direction are, are there. And then we really want to invite participation. And when a logo or a branding or your service is in, in a format that is reflective of a format that is, I don't know, agreeable or, you know, in, so to speak, that people feel like they can pitch in easier, I guess. I don't know why that is, but they do. Um, I'm not a marketing strategist or anything like that, but I do study enough to know that um, there are some easy things for latching latching onto. Let me just kind of specify, though, I do not believe, um, 100% do not believe, that lost people are in, your con- in the community and they're looking and they're saying, wow, look at that, that group's logo. I really think I should go to church there. That's not happening. If anything that you're doing, especially in a chapel context, is you're grabbing attention for people to say, hey, look, join us on the mission here because we are... Um, I, I hate the word relevant, but I do want to. I do want to emphasize that we are um, competent um, as as church, as a chapel community, as a church community, to really address the needs of our installation. Because when people show up at your installation because of transient nature, you're really trying to cast vision for why they should join and participate in the work that you're doing in order to reach the lost. And oftentimes branding does in fact have a role in that. And I just, though I hate it, maybe, I don't know. I don't, maybe I do. Don't, I I really like um, to be able to be creative in that regard and to really be able to cast clear vision 
for where we want to go. And a lot of that has to do with cosmetic um, uh, branding and, and making people feel like, hey, these guys are are after it and, and then getting them to participate and join in on the mission is happening. And so um, obviously um, when you're able to communicate and articulate sermons through the text, preach the word, do sermon series where they're really driving home and making the gospel clear, which is our ultimate aim, that that's kind of uh, people want to be a part of that, right? And so they, they're able to participate in that. We do not, though, I just want to reiterate, do not believe that branding a logo or anything like else like that will make people who are non-believers, who are the kind of high-reaching fruit, um, to think, oh, yeah, I just, I've been waiting for a church with a cool logo. That's just not, a, that's not a thing. So, um, but we do want to piece this together with the overall communication shift that's happening in our world. Um, Brady Shear, Pro Church Tools, says uh, things like, this is the greatest communication shift um, in 500 years that we're living through right now with the advent of Facebook and Twitter and social media, and more particularly the iPhone. We do believe that there is a platform and there is an avenue, even specifically with our soldiers. Um, we, you know, I know that soldiers um, and families are on social media platforms on um, their phones, and if they're they weren't now, they weren't yesterday. They are now with COVID nineteen and the advent of all this is happening, and we've seen the need for this type of branding and this type of uh, tech familiarization um, with everything that's happened in the last just in the last. A month, and so this kind of big communication shift and this ability to to put the gospel message forward is important. I do not think I do not love the idea of of streaming services all the time, and that's maybe people feel comfortable with being at home. I don't, I don't think that's how the the body grows in formation. However, um, it is a platform and it is a way right now for us to connect and to serve the community in our current context and situation. So I do think it's important. We got to think through it. Um, a couple, couple notes, um, about some, some, about some things. One Facebook, um, their, their younger soldiers may not use it as much. A lot of young families absolutely do and seen them on it. Um, especially specifically here, at Humphreys, I know that there's lots of different other things that people use. Single soldiers have their own uh, kind of world in which they live in, and, and, and folks do that. But I do know that Facebook is a platform that is user-friendly for us and that keeps us out of trouble for the most part. And then we can um, use it to communicate for lots of people, specifically here. And I think that people have re- have gone away from it too early in a lot of churches and things uh, that it definitely – um, does you do have the opportunity to do a lot of good work on Facebook? We, we have a website, but I'll tell you that the website does not even come close to get as many hits or anything like that as, as Facebook does here. So, um, and we advertise it just, I mean, we advertise it significantly. So, but either way, um, Facebook has tended to work. Twitter, not so much. Um, you know, Twitter has a, is a weird vibe if you're a, you know, a senior leader or a, a significant person of influence, it, it can be pretty helpful for you. Um, and there's a lot of Twitter chatter, and it's hard to get steam on that, and it takes a long time to do it. And so, if you have that, if you have that longevity, then power to you. We do have a Twitter account, and it's here and there. Um, Instagram, good. It's pretty effective. Um, it just takes a, a significant amount of time and effort, and you have to post and be regular, and you have to do all those kind of things. But Facebook, really, we haven't seen anything produce the type of um, results as Facebook has, and <clears throat> right, wrong, and different. It's the the rails everybody's riding so we'll ride it too on that front um 
when we're looking at YouTube or something along those lines, tons and tons and tons of people are on YouTube. Obviously, most people get their content and information from YouTube. And if you can create a, a set, a steady and quality YouTube video platform, you are uh, uh, doing, you're killing it. You're doing great. And I think um, it's well worth the time and effort to to put that together. Um, so we have not, we have, we have a YouTube platform. I don't know that it is like killing it like we want. We just, you know, we've just had a lot of success with Facebook. So. We've stuck with that and stuck and thinking. A couple things just to, uh, also to add in terms of your branding and how you're doing your business. Make, um, let's say, let's say you're building a website or your Facebook and things like that. Make them your pictures. Um, don't don't add pictures. It's like the worst. Um, don't add pictures of like a worship scene where people got their hands raised, like a concert or something like that, and then put your logo on top of it if it's not your people. Right, so if it's yours, man, power to you. Um, but use the pictures of your people. You know, get obviously you know permission and and get some quality photographers or whatnot. But don't take a picture that's not yours. I mean, like or not your your people, and then put it up because people know that and it just seems a little it seems a little reachy. Um, so just that's something to consider. Um, another time, you know, and two, just make sure that you're you know you're you're using content that's yours. Obviously, that's that's important, or you're referencing the resources that you do have. And it's good to reference lots of resources. There's tons of them out there. Um, lots of people producing good material and, and doing really well. But just um, do your own content in that, in that regard. Use pictures of your people, and that helps kind of generate um, more influence in that regard. If somebody is, let's say somebody is like looking, checking out your congregation, and one of their friends is in the pictures, I mean, obviously they know then that here they uh, know some people, and but also too can connect a little bit better, like emotionally, I guess. I don't know. Um, with the, the state, that's just my advice and counsel on that regard. Don't fake it. So, when if you're creating a vibe on your uh, social media uh, platforms or on your website that you are like super trendy and hip, but you're super not, um, that's a problem. And so when people get there, they're obviously, you'll be exposed a little bit and you want to not, uh, experience that. Just be authentic by who you are and be proud of that. And that's okay. Right. And so we, our message is Jesus Christ. We're not selling ourselves in that regard. And so just, uh, keep that in mind. Um, you know, for the most part, you know, music and worship, um, making sure, you know, contemporary music and, and what, what you're singing, there's lots of debates and lots of opinions about what is or what it shouldn't be. Um, I don't necessarily know that format is 100% a big of an issue. People like music of varying different sorts and will stomach bad music even um, because they love the preaching. And so, you know, we want to do excellent work and do a good job. I've, you know... In a, in, a, in a chapel community, it's harder than most, uh, just because I mean, it's hard to keep transient musicians and and people who, you know, maybe have uh, a deep kind of worship background or you know theological background in worship. I mean, there's certain areas of the country that naturally are gonna people are gonna come up with you know they'll be a little bit more solid in that realm. Maybe if you're in the southeast and you're next to Nashville, some of those. Worship folks may be a little more well known in your parts, but you know, here, um, you may not, right? So you just you need to be patient with that, and then at the same time, um, look forward and look look for ways to really produce good biblically clear content, and uh, and and then literally allow your people to sing, like let your people sing and let your people be those who um, really take hold of that mission and.
And when people see their, that it's not professional or paid artists up there, it's just normal people living out the mission call. It really also sets the tone for the context of the, the ministry as a whole in your congregation. It's not a professionalized vibe, but it is, um, it's regular people on, you know, serving the Lord. And there, there's something to be said on that. So I would take, I would take some average um, worship music with your people versus, you know, hiring a professional to come in and do all that too. So, um, and I think there's really a lot of value in soldiers up there leading worship themselves and, and singing and things like that. I know that that's one of the, the areas that I find very rich and valuable. Um, and so on the worship front in there, so on the worship whole, in terms of the service, just a couple things in we'll end. Um, it's really important for you to tr- trim and orient your service in order to make the gospel clear. So there's a handful of things that happen within the context of an hour, hour and a half of the service that probably could go. And there's some things that probably need to be added. And so when we took over here, there's some things that went um, because we know looking down in the, uh, into the future, we see, we believe that there was going to be a, a, some growth and congregation growth. And there were some practices that we had that needed to probably go. So while it was super sweet for every single time a newcomer came for them to raise their hand and us to walk them a gift, we knew that that wasn't super pragmatic for the long haul. And so we cut that out. Um, having people stand up and announce prayer requests, though sometimes great, sometimes wasn't. And so we wanted to make sure that there was context for that within the, within missional communities and small groups. But those are kind of things that you need to make some decisions on. There was usually a lag time of about 25 minutes in between songs um, when I got here. So we wanted just to trim some of that out, and that's okay. I mean, it was doing great. The service was good. Um, but there's just some things that you want to make sure that you're trimming and consolidating in order to make the gospel clear. And... And really, I've—I mean, I know people disagree, but my our services are usually generally an hour, right on the nose, and so a good thirty minutes of preaching and and thirty minutes elsewhere, and I think um, that is sufficient. So, when especially when you're talking uh, full time kids ministries and things like that, so that's kind of where we've landed, and that's what we do. Um, you know, people can disagree, and I, don't, I wouldn't die on that hill, but I do think. Um, you know, trimming some things out and making what's an effort of making the gospel clear is important so that you're not distracting from the central message of the morning, which really is driven from the text, the sermon, the sermon text. We do not want people to think that everything, all their Christian practices will be experienced on Sunday morning, that we want to create habits and rhythms and formation on the rest of the week. And that, that, um, that we just can't do exclusively all, everything that summarizes the Christian faith on Sunday morning. We don't, it's not really what we need to do. So, and it's a misnomer if we, if we try to. So anyway, that's, that's what I'm talking about in cosmetic renewal, uh, revitalization is just on this kind of outside. Um, and then, you know, some of the internal workings of how you just basically operate a chapel service that need to be done right away. Some things we would love to see happen the chaplain corps, is one digital giving. So if anybody's listening to that, uh, digital giving is, is significant. We live in Korea and soldiers do not carry checks. Not, there's not a soldier here that has a check, right? Everybody has a debit card and they have Korean won, which they get at an ATM at the walking gate. 
and it takes you a significant amount of effort to get that. So um, nobody has cash. You, just, you throw into the pot whatever you have, and then or say nobody has a check, and you just throw in the pot what cash you have, and then there's a handful of <laughs> senior senior leaders who actually have checks book checkbooks who who float this boat. So. Um, that's something that has to get changed probably immediately. We need to be able to figure it out. We need to correct that code. Um, I'm taking a stand here right now. Um, and then, you know, other things as well is, you know, doing little things like creating a good, clear check-ins process for your children, tracking mechanisms, online platforms for scheduling, planning center online. It's fantastic. There's lots of options. Um, planning center online check-ins is great. You know, we've been able to use uh, iPads, you know, simple enough. Um, Brother wireless printers or, or Dymo printers is good. And then creating a system where kids can get checked in and feel safe and, and creating an environment for kids where also, again, the, 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 the visual is that we care, that we're taking uh, the effort to care for children and that we're professional and we know what we're doing and that we're not just kind of fumbling along and, and, uh, it's some kind of dangerous children's ministry. So, you know, all those, all those things matter. How clean the building is, there's just a, there's a handful of things to that. It's a culture, culture issue. Um, I'll leave you with a quote from my dearest mentor, and, and he was at the Oklahoma Baptist Collegiate Ministries, the BSU at the time, Max Barnett, and he pointed at a, a building across the street. Can't tell you what it was. He says, gentlemen, look at that building right there. He's probably in his early 70s. And he, is, he goes, look at that. You can tell, by the way, you can tell those people don't love Jesus. And, uh, and they didn't. He, what he was emphasizing on is like the details of the cosmetics, the, how things look, the grass being mowed, uh, things being clean, things be attentive to, chairs stacked correctly, um, chairs in order, not haphazard. Just the details, the small things communicate something constantly and we're constantly communicating things and um, so as we're doing that as we're being hospitable we're serving coffee we're serving donuts don't be ashamed because you're serving coffee and donuts you're not being a consumer you're being considerate and you're being kind and you're being hospitable and what you're doing is you're communicating and welcoming people into a family and you're going out of your way to take care of them and so I just encourage you think about how to be hospitable, how to think about how to, think about how to make the gospel clear, and and then we're going to continue on, and we'll have some more discussions on this, and we're going to invite some guys in who really know what they're doing, and then we will also uh, talk uh, more on structural renewal later. You can find more from us at prodeochapel.com and click on our social media platforms and connect with us there.